Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. You love Jesus, say I do. I do. That's what I like to hear. If you're single, raise your hand. Come on now, don't be shy. Okay, majority. Did y'all evaluate the room a little bit? Okay, let's do it again. Raise your hands. You're welcome. You're welcome. Listen, I just wanted to make sure that I, uh, I know who to speak to tonight. All right, I'm going to make sure that I was going to be able to speak to some people tonight. Um, anybody in here should be single, but they're not, right? Come on, anybody, right? Okay. Just, I just want to see if I can catch anybody. All right. I'm not going to ask if anybody broke up last week. Okay, that's dangerous. But um, Listen, tonight I am super excited. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke uh, 14. Um, and we're going to be looking at the cost of following Jesus, the cost of discipleship. Now, I know that many of you are thinking, like, well, Brent, like, how the heck does that have to deal with dating? Well, it has nothing to do with dating, but it has everything to do with dating. Amen? All right? I'm preaching in, like, phrases now, because I really believe if, there, if this is something that Jesus says that we need to do in our life, right, if you don't know this chapter of Luke, you need to memorize it, you need to understand it, you need to apply it to your life. If this is something that we need to be doing in our life, this is a great reference for us to fall back on when looking at and evaluating the person that we want to date. If, uh, if y'all wonder, like, well, what are some specifics I need to look out for? What are some things that I need to evaluate? What are some things that I need to understand with this person that I'm about to date, like, well, here it is. I think many of us, if we're honest, we blind, we blind date, right? We don't only go on blind dates, but we blind date. We don't, we don't evaluate. We don't try to see who this person is. But tonight, I think I want to break this down into three sections um, that I think Jesus is trying to illustrate for his followers here. And I think that it's going to apply very well to our dating life. So if you would, look in the 14th chapter of Luke, verse 25, and it says this, Now great crowds were accompanying him, and he turned aside, and he said to them, If any one comes to me and does not have hate for his own father, his mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So imagine this, Jesus is talking to thousands of people around him. They are gathered all around him, and they are just amazed by Jesus' miracles. They're amazed by what Jesus can do, and they, they want to see him cast out demons. They want to see him heal the, the, the lame, make them walk, and let the blind see. They want to see all these things, and they're all of what Jesus can do. And Jesus being Jesus, he takes a step back and he shakes some things up and he transitions from showing them what he can do to telling them, well, listen, like this is great, this is awesome, but there's a, there's a cost to this. 
There is a cost to following me. And he said, if you want to follow me, and if you want to be my disciple, then you must hate your father, your mother, your sister, your brother. Yes, you even must hate yourself. Hey, welcome to Crossover. We're going to talk about hate tonight. Great, awesome, wonderful. Listen, this is where I think biblical study is so important because when you look in the book of Matthew, I think it gives a little different angle of what Jesus is trying to illustrate here. In Matthew 10, 37, he says it this way, whoever loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves their son or their daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Guess what Jesus is saying when he is trying to tell these thousands of people You must love me most. You want to follow me? You must love me most. More than anything, you must love me most. You know, when looking for someone to date, can we make this our standard? Can we make this a standard of Man, I'm only going to date someone who makes Jesus the most in their life. Like, someone who loves Jesus with everything that they have. Like, literally every part of their being is being saturated with the word and the truth of Jesus. From the words that come out of their mouth to the way that they carry themselves with their friends, they love Jesus most. And making Jesus most in their life is a non-negotiable. Can we make that a standard in the people that we want to attach our life with? You know, when someone loves Jesus most, man, don't they just have a different, like, presence about them? Don't they have, like, just a different aura around them? They just have this calmness and this stillness. They have this peaceful, gentle, loving spirit. Like you can just tell like they just got out of their prayer closet, right? You can tell like, man, you must have just been spending some time with Jesus, talking with Jesus. And then you talk about the relationship with Jesus to them. And they're like, man, listen, like, like man, me and Jesus just, just dealt with some things, right? Man, I had some worries. I had some cares. And man, I took him to Jesus. And listen, he's encouraging me. He's helping me. He is strengthening me. Man, I just am so thankful for what he has done. Man, we were laughing together. We were joking together. Jesus is my number one. They have like this inner strength, right? Like they have this inner deep down strength that is beautiful and it is strong and it is deep. And guess what? You start liking them for who they are on the inside, not only for who or for what they look like on the outside. You love their love for Jesus. Why? Because they have made Jesus their number one. I think, this is just when I put some thoughts to this, I think that when dating, I think that we should find people that makes you jealous for the relationship with Jesus. Now what I mean by that, it's not a jealousy like, oh man, they're spending so much time with Jesus and not enough time with me. No, no, no. 
but jealous because you want a relationship with Jesus like that. You want to be passionate like that. You want to fall more in love with Jesus like they are. That's the type of jealousy. And the jealousy doesn't make you want to run away from Jesus, but it makes you want to dive deeper with him. And you're like, man, I want that, bro. Like, I want to have that type of relationship with Jesus. I admire you for your relationship with Jesus. And it doesn't make you want to run away from Jesus. It makes you want to run towards Jesus because if Jesus can have that relationship with them, then he can have that relationship with me. Can we look for those type of people in our life? That's the type of people that we should go for. You know why that they are that way, students? You know why they have done this? Because their cost of loving everything less than Jesus was worth it. Because they fell more in love with Jesus at all cost. Students, this is my first point, is that if you know their cost, you know who to date. If you know their cost, you know who to date. If their cost is to be a true follower of Jesus and love him most in their life and love everything else less, then you know that that's where Jesus wants them to be. And when some is where Jesus wants you to be, then that's the standard of the type of person that you should want to be with. If you know their cost, you know who you need to date. Because if their cost isn't worth following Jesus, with everything they have, then obviously that's not someone that you would want to date. But if their cost is to follow him at every cost, that's who you need to date. So the question is this, is why do we know who Jesus is? And we know what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we know that he loves us and he cares for us and he provides for us. How come for some of us, maybe not even for some, maybe for most, how come a lot of us in our life, we end up allowing ourselves to date people who can't love Jesus most? And as like this great book author Kyle Eidelman says, we are dating fans. We're not dating followers of Jesus Christ. We attach our lives with people who love aspects of Jesus. They might go to church every so often. They might come with you to a crossover. They might pray before meals, but when you look at their life, like you got to be honest with yourself, and you got to be honest with Jesus. When you look at their life, and you look how, how they walk in this life, you know without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is not the most important thing to them. So why do we as believers of the great Lord Jesus Christ settle for fans and not thrive with followers. You want to know why? Because it would cost us too much. It would cost us too much to date someone who has made Jesus number one in their life because people who have put Jesus number, number one in their life, they're waiting for somebody else who has put Jesus number one in their life. Because people who have put Jesus number one in their life are waiting for people to put Jesus number one in their life. And we settle for fans of Jesus because most of the time we are fans as well. 
Fans attract fans. Followers attract followers. We don't date people passionately in love with Jesus because we are not passionately in love with Jesus. Can I call you up a little bit? Come on now, right? Some of you are like, uh-oh, right? For us to date someone like this, we would have to give up everything to live like Jesus. Now listen, I know this might come um, a little, little hard to believe, but in my prime, and when I was 20-ish, actually I guess it was 18 to, to 22, but that was my prime. Actually, 24 was my prime. Man, woo! I got all that weird stage, like I, I, I became a man at 24, let's just be honest, but in my prime in college, like, I was not afraid to ask a girl out on a date. Like, I was, like, I did. Like, I, I, I was known to ask a girl or two out on a date, all right? And so I just remember this one specific time. Um, I got to know this girl for, uh, I think, the first couple months of college, and her friend group and my friend group started kind of hanging out. And I remember I called her up one night. I was like, hey, can you... Um, can you meet me by the fountain? Like, we had this fountain that we'd all, like, the group of us would all go hang out with, play guitars, have fun, you know, weird Christian stuff, right? <clears throat> and I said, hey, can you meet me at 8 o'clock? And she's like, yeah, okay, right? So we meet there, and we're laughing and giggling, you know, I'm working my game, dropping them jokes, you know, strutting my stuff. And just like I had done one or two times with other girls before. I don't remember. It was one, maybe two, maybe 12. But anyways, I leaned over. I was like, hey, listen, like, man, you know, the last couple of months have been great. I would love to take you out on a date. Love to take you to Chili's. <laughs> maybe get some chicken crispers. Yeah. A little, yeah. you know, a little ranch, little, you know, honey mustard, whichever you like. I would love to serve you. You ready for this? This five foot two girl looked up at me with them baby blues and said, oh, you're so sweet and I'm so humbled that you would ask. But I'm gonna have to say no. I was like, oh, right? I was like, I'm like, actually my pride kicked in. I was like, what? Like, hold on, like, me? You're saying no to me? And I was like, of course. Now listen guys, if she ever says no, just leave it at, take it on the chin, walk away. Break the wrist, walk away. Trust me. Don't do what I just did, all right? Don't do what I, what I did here is I actually said, well, well why, right? <laughs> Believe you me, it's already hard enough for them to say no. Like, don't just make it longer. She got totally awkward, and listen, she was so sweet. Like, way too nice on how she backed me down from this. But she was like, listen, like, like, there's a girl out there for you that matches your speed, is what she said. <laughs> and she got real uncomfortable. She goes, you, you would just get bored with me. Like, I, like, that just wouldn't work. And, like, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what? I was like, more, I'm walking away. I'm like, okay. I'm walking away. I'm like, I have no idea what this means, all right? <laughs> we stayed friends. Like, she was such a sweetheart. And... We kind of faded away a little bit in the middle of college, but senior year we actually had a class together and we kind of rekindled our friendship and made it stronger. And one uh, evening, they, her and her best friend invited me over to um, study for midterms. And we went to a coffee shop and after we started studying, she's like, Brent, like, like 
tell me what's been going on with your life. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, listen, man, the last six months of my life has been, tra- like, I've been transformed. Like, like, Jesus has, like, given me so much purpose. Like, I've accepted my call into ministry. Like, I just, I, like, God is just working in me in a new way. I'm just laying out. Like, I'm just talking. Like, I'm not trying to impress. I'm being real. Like, I'm like, I, I just can't believe who I was my freshman, sophomore year of college. And, like, man, like, God is just really, like, working me on interning at a church right now. I'm doing all this. And I'm like, gosh, it's just, like, I'm excited for the future. And, like, she leans over. And, like, her friend and her start smiling. Like, they smile like they know something and I don't know it. Like, I'm like, what's, like, what is going on here? And I asked him, like, what are y'all laughing about? Like, what are you smiling about? And she looked at me and she goes, that's the Brent that I knew that you could be. And she goes, that's the reason why I didn't say yes to you freshman year is because you were not the man of God that you needed to be for me to date you. And I was like, it was a little pride bump, right? But I looked at her and I go, I have to 100% agree with you. Like, I was not where I needed to be in order to date you because she knew who she was in Christ. She knew that Jesus was number one. She lived her life since she was 16 to be the woman of God that she needed to be. She knew that I hadn't put Jesus number number one in my life yet our freshman year, and I was literally not worth her time because she was looking for a follower of Jesus, not a fan of Jesus. Students, if you want a God-fearing, God-loving, passionate person putting Jesus first in everything in their life, I'm telling you, you will need to put Jesus first everything in your life. And when you put Jesus first in everything, your love for Jesus will connect with their love for Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's when real connection Happen. Some of you who have been here, like Jaden, for the last four years, you've heard me say this, is run so passionately for Jesus right now. Like you're adults. Like own it. Figure out your faith. Figure out your rhythm with Jesus. Start walking with him, talking with him, praying with him, singing about him. Start serving at church. Start going to their small groups. Start being discipled by people in the church. Start running passionately. Start serving here. Start serving there. Start serving Norman. Start serving OU. And you start doing things for Jesus, talking about Jesus, spreading the gospel for Jesus. And you're running the race that God has set before you. And then this is what I want you to do. I want you to look to your, your right and I want you to look to your left and I want you to see who's running next to you and that's the person that you need to date. Because when you can love Jesus as passionately as they love Jesus, I'm telling you, it is worth it. If you know their cost, you know who to date. You know, one of the things that we see that are consistent with these great crowds of Jesus teaching thousands is the longer that he taught in that, in that sermon, the more and more people would start shedding away and the, the group would become smaller and smaller and smaller. It's because he said things like he does here in verse 27 when he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, they cannot be my, my disciples. Now imagine the imagery here is that they're trying to say is that crucifixion on a cross was the Roman choice of punishment for criminals. And they would beat their, this convict, they would strap him to a cross, and they would make that convict 
carry them all the way through the town to their final destination. And it was torture and it was pain and it was hard. And Jesus is saying here that becoming his disciple, it's going to take something. It's going to take a degree of suffering. And we can identify with Jesus on the cross because we are carrying our cross right now in everyday life. He says that they persecute me and they will persecute you. Students, I can't promise you much in this world, but I can promise you this, is that if you are sold out for Jesus Christ, if you put him number one, if you make that cost, you put him number one in your life, I promise you that you will be persecuted. Now, what does that mean? Like, are you going to be pinned up on a cross, carrying it through town? I don't know. You could be. I've known people who have been martyred overseas. We know about the Columbine story with young Cassie and, and the shooter has his, has his gun right on her head and says, do you love Jesus? And she says, yes. I don't know. You could be persecuted that way. I, I don't know. This world's not getting any easier, amen? It's not becoming any more popular to be a Christian in this world, amen? It's getting harder, if not easier, to even proclaim the gospel amongst your friends. Now, persecution can take, take all sh shapes and sizes. Some persecution can make, you know, some of y'all, you can literally be walking just in your life, talking with people, loving on people, and some of your friends might actually just make fun of you because you have decided not to have sex from this point on until you get married. I know some of us in here, we have been persecuted that we have been made fun of that way some people and you some people in here I know that you have chosen not to drink you've not to drink anymore not to drink anymore not to drink ever and you're not to go you're not going to do the ways of the world you're not going to go to to main street on on Thursday night you're not going to do Friday nights this way because you have put Jesus first and you got people that'll make fun of you for that maybe I've heard this even with some of you you can be persecuted because you have stand up for your beliefs in class and you had a pr professor just, just ridicule you. Yes, there are many scenarios. But if I, can, if I know you pretty well, I know one scenario that is prominent today in this day and age is simply this. I think some of y'all catch some spiritual persecution. Like the devil and the demons are, are some dirty dogs, Amen. And I think that the devil and the demons, they can throw some pretty bad ideas into our head. And I think, I think it can be hard, and I think it can be rough. And when things get hard in your head and your heart, it just gets, it gets bad. Like, like maybe you're struggling with depression like you've never known before, or anxiety, or, or I don't know what you're dealing with. But just when you feel like the world is like, pounding you in the face and you're like walking an uphill battle. I know some of you right now, you're feeling that. But listen, when you think about dating someone, I would want to know something before I, before I committed my life with them, before I connected with them. Is I would want to know how do they handle themselves when lives get hard? Like how do they handle themselves when life is not easy, when it gets hard to stand for your conviction, when it gets hard to live day in and day out, will this person take up their cross and will they still follow Jesus? I would, I would want to know that, right? 
And here's how I would evaluate, is I would sit down and I would talk with them and I would listen to them and I would communicate and I would ask them some, some very like, difficult questions and I would keep my ears open on how hard life has been, right? I would want to listen about how hard life has been. And when they talk about those things, do they make it seem like a blessing or do they make it seem like a burden that they have been going through this and that? Like, are they a victim? Do they have this victim mentality like everything is wrong against them and they're always stuck in a rut and they're not seeking to find Jesus in the rut. They're not trying to seek Jesus to teach them what is going on. Like, like are they still happy in life even when life is hitting them in the face? Or are they giving up? Are they dropping the cross and they're not following him? I would want to know that. So students, this is my second point is if you know someone's cost, you know their truth in the struggle. Because someone can't lie to you about their relationship with Jesus when life is hitting them in the face, when the struggle is happening. It exposes what they truly believe. What I mean by that is if they have put Jesus over everything, if they love him more than anything, then their truth will be exposed in the struggle. Like, when life isn't easy, they choose Jesus. When they are being persecuted by friends, maybe even family. I know some of y'all, your family even persecutes you. They choose Jesus. When they are depressed or anxious, they still continually to choose Jesus. They don't continually see themselves as victims in the world, but they see themselves as followers of Jesus, being hungry, even in the battlefield, even in the rut, seeking Jesus. How are you teaching me through this? Jesus, how can I praise you through this? Jesus, how will you be glorified through this? They don't count what is happening to them as a curse in their life, but a blessing to see how Jesus is going to be blessed through this. I would want to know that. Why is this important, students? Because dating is a precursor to marriage. And if someone is seeing their life consistently as a burden now, and they're not seeing Jesus in the hard times now, most likely they're not going to seek him and see it that way when they're married. And let me tell you, you don't need someone in your life, you don't definitely need someone to be married that gets stuck every time life gets hard. Because life is going to get hard. It's going to get tough. And tough times are going to expose someone's truth. And if their truth is not continually growing and seeking Jesus in all circumstance, you will continually listen. You will continually have to be pulling that person up every time life gets hard. Man, how tiring would that be to be like, hey, listen, like, why are you still struggling with this when we got Jesus here. Like, fix your eyes on Jesus. Every problem is going to be an exposure of how much they don't have faith in Jesus. And I can promise you from many friends who have, who have called me after years of being married to someone like this, it will wear you out. If you know, your, if you know their cost, you know their truth in the struggle if they have put Jesus over everything, they will put Jesus first in the good times and they will put Jesus first in the bad times. But lastly, Jesus does not end up there. He ends up with verse 28 when he says, For which of you desiring to build a tower 
does not sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has said, has laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who see is began to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is saying this. Before you take this journey, to count the cost. Before you take the journey, you need to count the cost of your life. Is it worth loving me more than anything else? Is it worth turning your back to everything of this world, turning off your old self, and turning your new self into Jesus to be like him, to love him, to walk with him, to talk with him? If it's not worth it, then don't do it. If it's not worth it to you, then don't choose this. Students, at some point in your life, when you are dating someone, you have to make a choice. Is this someone that I want to be with the rest of my life? You have to count their cost and see if you want to attach your life to their life. Listen, there's many ways I could say this, but the best way I could do is just with my own testimony. I started dating my wife just a few years ago. Um, It seems like yesterday, right? Smile. Come on now. But I soon realized very quickly that my wife was different than anyone that I have ever dated before. She had a little more sass. If you know Caroline, you know she's got a little sass. She's got a little pep in her step, right? Like I remember like the first couple of weeks I would ask her like, hey, you want to go out to eat? And she's like, yeah. Where do you want to go? Well, when I first started dating her, I would be like, well, I want to go here. She'd be like, no. Well, then I'd be like, well, well, what about here? No, 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 no. Well, then I realized a couple weeks more into that, like, it's really like, let me name 12 places and you tell me where you want to eat, okay? Like, the girl knows what she wants after I tell her 12 different places, okay? It's, I understood. She cared about where she wanted to eat. No one else I dated before that cared where we ate, all right? It's just like, She called them yes girls, okay? Now listen, no girlfriend is going to like your ex-girlfriend, okay? Like, it's just never going to happen that way. But in our dating life, um, we would hang out every day, and this was before we became FBO, right? Before we became Facebook official, we would, I wanted to get to know her more. What would I say? Y'all don't know what Facebook official means? Snapchat official, I don't know what it is, right? TikToks, you and your TikToks. Anyways, yes, you got me, all right. In our dating life, though, we would hang out before we became official boyfriend and girlfriend. There you go, okay? But we would go out to eat, I would take her out, and um, I, I was a little low on finances because I was in ministry, okay? And I remember one night, I had 67 cents in my bank account, and I just um, said, hey, let's just go hang out, and uh, I took her to Walmart, okay? And we went to Walmart, and we sat in the furniture aisle 
for two and a half hours. And it, we sat on those pleather couches while people were walking by. And I'm telling you, it was one of the holiest times and probably the most beneficial times of our, especially the beginning parts of our relationship because she was asking me some difficult questions and I was asking her some difficult questions. Um, but I just really got to know who she was. I got to hear her testimony. And this is what happened, though, is I got to learn who she was and what she got to overcome in her life. I learned that she lived in L.A. for a handful of years. She might have been a backup singer for some popular bands. I don't, you know, might be some little bands. I don't remember. Maybe y'all can ask her later on. But she was thrown into a world that offered her everything. She's thrown into a world that had money, that had fame, that had parties of parties that we couldn't even imagine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and she said, Brent, listen, like even though I was thrown into this world and even though I had these friends and even though that I did, you know, I went to these places, listen, like the Lord always like put a covering around me. Like nothing even seemed interesting to me. And like I just said no, and like my friends knew who I was, and they knew what I was about, and they knew that I just loved Jesus, and like she still served in the mission field in, in, in downtown L.A. She still went to church. She still read her Bible. Like she still was consistent, and I'm just sitting there listening to her just nonchalantly talk about her own testimony, but I'm sitting there, I'm like, listen, this girl's legit because who in their right mind in their 20s going to L.A. with all this thrown on them, who would be able to survive that and still be able to say, you know what, but I still lived for Jesus even in the middle of that. And like my heart just started rushing because I'm like, listen, if this girl can, can be the woman of God that she needs to be in, in this scenario in her 20s, man, that's the type of person that I know that's going to stick with God for the rest of their life. And since that day, since we started making us official, since that day, there has been no one to be my greatest supporter than my wife. No one has prayed for me more than my wife. No one has cried more for me than my wife. She has, she has been the biggest blessing in my life. You know why? Because she doesn't let me think less of myself. She does not let me think less of who God wants me to be. She never lets me limit myself on what the Lord can do in and through me. Her sass is actually my benefit because she tells me how I need to treat myself. I knew her cost, and I knew that she was worth it. If you know their cost, students, you will know that they are worth it. Find someone who wants to be like Jesus so much, as much as possible, and they will do everything in their power to help you be the best follower of Jesus Christ that you can possibly be. Listen, as I close up here, dating is a precursor to marriage. Who do you date matters because, you, because who you date is exposing who you marry. I know that a lot of people come and introduce me to their new boyfriend and girlfriend, and my, my thought is like, okay, this person is worth them connecting their life to, and it's a possible precursor. This is a possible thing for them to be married and to glorify Jesus with. That's what we're going to be talking about next week is bringing God glory. But I hope 
that you can use this message tonight as a great reference and a guideline to see who you want to date. If you know their cost, you know who to date. Why? Because their cost was to put Jesus first over everything. And if you know their cost, then you know their truth and their struggle. Because it's easy to praise Jesus when everything is going right, but how well do they praise and seek Jesus when everything is going wrong? Do they run after Jesus in the, sto- in the storm, or do they run away from Jesus to something else? And lastly, when you know someone's cost, you know that they're worth it because you count the cost of having them in your life. Is this person going to help me be the person that I want to be for Jesus, or is this person going to take me away from that? Does their life prove that Jesus is number one and that their truth is found in their struggle? If so, if they've met this requirement, I'm telling you, then they are worth it. Students, choose wisely. Because if you know their cost, you know who to date.